because I did do stand up back in New York. And then I tried to do it when I moved here. And it just like wasn't it just wasn't in my groove here. And then I finally started doing it again. And then like, that's when things kind of started really flowing, because it, it was like taking my control back. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm not gonna wait for you to bring me in or you to book me or you to tell me when I get to perform. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And that that really shifted so much for me because then I was like constantly being me on stage in people and getting laughs and also not getting laughs. And like it really like it hardens you and humbles you. everybody, this is Slate It Till You Make It. I'm your host, Katherine Donnelly, and today's industry guest is my friend Erin Alexis, a versatile actress, writer, and producer who honed her craft in New York City, earning an esteemed MFA in acting from Columbia University. Combining classical training with sharp wit, Erin captivates audiences both on stage and on screen. Her credits include acclaimed shows like Station Eleven, NCIS Los Angeles, and True Blood, alongside a string of successful commercial campaigns for brands such as Allstate, Hulu, and Google. As a creator, Erin shines, having written, produced, and starred in the award-winning pilot Moderately Put Together and the indie short Red Flag Resurrection. With a wealth of theatrical experience and a reputation for professionalism, Erin is a sought-after talent beloved by industry professionals. I found this game-changing group called The Commercial Club, and I have to tell you about it. It's like your secret weapon for auditions. It's a monthly membership where you have access to on-demand coaching with casting pros who've had 30 plus years of experience. So they'll help you with auditions, self-tapes, virtual in-person callbacks, all of the things. They also hold these exclusive hangs where you get to network with directors, cinematographers, casting directors, and it's not your typical Q&A and formal networking. It's more like real connections and conversations. Laid-back hangouts and workout nights where it's not a class, it's just a fun way to sharpen those audition skills. So for my Slate It Pod listeners, here's the deal. Use Slate It Pod when signing up and the first 50 people will receive a complimentary $25 drop-in gym sesh. And if you love it, you can use the same promo code to snag an elite level membership for the price of a basic membership for your first month, which is going to save you 60 bucks. So check out commercialclubhouse.com for more info and be sure to throw in Slate It Pod for your special hookup. Hope to see you guys there. And now on to the episode. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you. You look great. Looks like you're going out to like New Year's or something. You look beautiful. Amazing. Thank you. This is called My Hot Water Wasn't Working and we threw her hair up. Yeah. Oh oh my God. We love a top bun. Your hair always is always so great. Thank you. Do you have like a go-to style? I'm just going to try to get all the secrets now. Do you have like you have a go-to style for your hair or just depend on what role it is? I once had a casting director years ago tell me that I should only wear, we should only ever wear your hair down for auditions and had stuck in my brain so badly that now I, I like only ever wear my hair down for auditions unless it's like yoga or like whatever it's really stuck with me and this is like decades ago I'm just aging myself now whoa that's so trippy because I feel like man just the things that get stuck in your head are crazy like I have it in my head that like hair down is a distraction so therefore hair back and I think I made that up for myself it's so funny (laughs) I think (laughs) that's so funny yeah because I feel like 
well, I don't know. I feel like sometimes being blonde, I think I have like a thing in my head where I'm like, oh, people will, will like notice that I'm blonde if my hair's down and maybe they won't if it's up. I can trick them. And then they're like, whoa, we don't really know if she's kind of a brunette, but I don't think they fucking give a shit, right? No, I no. think it's more us. It's more on us that we're like, <laughs> oh, it's got to look perfect. It's got to look exactly this way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're really hard on ourselves. I don't know. It's good to be self-aware and to know, like, I just feel like whenever I see you, you are always very, well, you're always very you, unapologetically, authentically, all the things, but you're always very put together, like all your fits and just your vibe. Were you, you always, were you always like this? Yes. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> What? How? <laughs> I grew up, my dad was in retail, so I grew up with, like, fashion, like, all around me at all times, so I just kind of got a knack for it and, like, was always kind of just aware of what was going on, but then, like, gravitated to what felt good for me, so pick and choose, but, yeah, it's always been one of my things, and my accessories, of course. <laughs> You really have so many accessories going on. She's wearing, God, two necklaces. Three? Three. Oh, shit, three. I could, bear, I could do like one necklace a month, maybe, you know, <laughs> if we're lucky. And you got earrings and you have your rings. And the rings, always. Oh, are you ever fully like without any of it? Like when you work out, maybe? Oh, yeah, definitely when I work out. I always have like one necklace on. I usually sleep in my necklaces just because it's easier than <laughs> taking them off and putting them back on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, this is so great Every, people's habits are so funny yeah I feel like when I sleep with a necklace it like chokes me so I I think anything that touches me maybe I'm becoming my mom or it's like any even fabric like I have to have nice fabric on I just don't want anything scratchy or like hard yeah no it's uh it's interesting how we got to this topic um <laughs> okay I have so many questions for you I want to start with one where you're from two if you've always been doing this type of thing and if you have, cool, tell us all about it. If you haven't, like, when did you decide or think that you wanted to do it? And then how did you, like, become so successful? I mean, in my eyes, you're like, every office I work for, it's like, you're on avail or booking, like, every other job. And maybe it's just where I'm working, but I'm just like, if she's at all these offices, I wonder, like, if this girl's a fucking queen. What's the sauce? What's the secret? So walk us through your whole life. Thank you. Be cool. Um, this is a three-hour podcast. Uh <laughs> <laughs> get ready uh no so I was well I was born in Kentucky I was born in Louisville Kentucky but I moved around a lot so I lived in North Carolina Florida Pennsylvania and then I moved to New York City when I turned 18 because I hated Pennsylvania so much I was like peace uh never coming back <laughs> is it that uh, bad oh you know for me it was but okay. I was just I just didn't I did it wasn't my cup of tea necessarily right. yeah you're out of there yeah then I lived in New York for 11 years I got my bachelor's in acting from Pace University downtown and then took four years off well lived in New York did like theater and waited tables and traveled and kind of just like was like living that New York life and then I decided to go to grad school and I went to Columbia to get my master's in acting from <laughs> Columbia University crazy I know so you're, you're a real actor I'm a real live actor wow. <laughs> oh my god the prestige I know oh my god so you do you know how to do like uh method stuff 
you could move like, your body. Yeah, yeah. Like all Shakespeare, Greek tragedy, studied all of it. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to LA in 2010. So I've been here for 13 years, which is nuts. So you hit 10 years. Oh, yeah. I'm 13 here. 13 oh, years. 13. Because I can do good math. Um, <laughs> What? Okay. So you moved here and then not a lot of theater here, right? Why did you come out here? So I had been living in New York for 11 years. I was exhausted. I was done with New York. And (laughs) we did a showcase for Columbia. We did a showcase out here in LA. And there was this manager who essentially like poached me. And like, I mean, not poached me, but he like, like courted me and was like, hey, would you rather be like waiting tables in New York City or making money doing commercials in LA? I was like, that one. I want to do that one. (laughs) <laughs> so like literally three months later, packed it up and came across the country and have not turned back. Whoa. And were you doing any commercials in New York at the time? No, I was doing theater and like small indie films that was not making any money at all. So when you got here, you just started auditioning with through this manager and then... Well, yeah, it's funny because the commercial stuff didn't happen until years later. So yeah, I had this manager. I did um, a few TV shows, had like recurring on one and then like kind of co-starring in a few others here and there. And then I ended up dropping that manager, getting another one. And that manager finally got me my first commercial agent. And I booked this like huge Toyota spot for them, which was my first commercial booking like ever. <laughs> like huge like... Toyota commercial it was bonkers and like you could barely see me and I made so much money I was like um this is insane I love this job I feel like it's always the first one where you're like bullseye and then you make a lot of money and then you're like I could definitely just do this and then but did did you did it just keep going or was there like a little oh no definitely definitely did not keep going (laughs) Like that commercial agent ended up dropping me and then my manager ended up dropping me. So then I was like back dead in the water, like, oh my God, what do I do? So like scrambling to get like representation all over again. And it's like the most stressful thing to just be like, uh, oh, cool. That's great. That's not stressful at all. So then, yeah, ended up finding this other manager that I'm still with now. He got me my agent that I'm also still with now, my commercial agent. And like, it's been, I'd say in the last five years, things have been really well. Even like considering like that weird pandemic time, I ended up somehow booking some good commercial work during that time. And here you are. Here I am. How long after your Toyota commercial did your manager and an agent drop you? Like, how long were you? Do you remember that period? Um, about a year, maybe. And you were just going out and not getting any bites. Really, nothing was. Yeah, and you know, kind of in hindsight, when I can look at it, I think that agent, that the commercial agent I had, was just like not the right one for me. And they were sending me out on things that like, I probably wasn't right for. And so like, not realizing it necessarily until like later, and now I can see it and be like, Oh, right. No, I'm not like that. That's not me. But it's still like trying to figure out who you are in this weird world of like, how, how you fit in. Yeah. And like how people 
see you isn't always is often not how you see yourself especially early on you're like but i am the pretty lead person who could do everything i don't know what your inner monologue is but like we sometimes think that we are a certain way and then we like push for it and then we just don't it doesn't really nothing happens and then we're like why do i keep fucking booking why I keep booking nurses? I don't want to. And it's like, well, because you have like a really nurse vibe. I don't know. Yeah. Just like embrace what you have. In like a nutshell, what would you say your essence or like your brand slash commercial vibe is? It's. De- I mean, it's definitely like the quirky, silly, a little outlandish. I could I could have answered that, but I just wanted to hear you say it. Wanted me to say it. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, it's perfect. Um, so now you're with we're with the same agent. It's so funny. I also signed with him like five years ago. I like met him in person, which it was like one of the last of his in person. It was yeah. the only time I've ever seen him. Yeah, I've seen him like a few times when I would drop off like gifts to him, and I'm like, oh, that's what you look like. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, like I once got a selfie like last year and I was like oh I remember you (laughs) but it wasn't on purpose it was like of his dogs and like the side of his face got in and he has like a beard right now and I was like yeah yeah I I only remember him with the beard who knows I'm gonna send this episode we're talking all about you Tim the man the myth the legend Tim he is he's like the man behind the curtain he's just always there working so hard for us do you ever stop do you ever stop tim this is a what's the word um intervention psa for (laughs) working you must take a nap if you are hearing this now go to sleep go to bed go to bed (laughs) go to bed i once got him a massage for christmas i didn't do what I wonder how many he's gotten. And I doubt he used a single one. That's what I'm going to fucking say. I just, <laughs> I want it back is what I'm saying to him. I, Give me my massage envy. Oh my God. <laughs> Did I do massage envy as well? I can't remember. It feels like you would have maybe because it was like near his office. And I was like, right. where's Studio City? <sighs> that is really funny. I hope he's ever gotten one massage in his life. I do. I do too. God bless him, man. All that to say, when you got to LA and you were like scrambling to find your first manager and all that, or the manager that poached you, what was your like survival day job situation like? And also, were you in any kind of classes for people who are like kind of newer and they're like, well, I can't relate. Seems like she just like flew right through. Oh, cute. No, that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's... It's weird, too, because in a way, I was, even though I had 11 years of New York under my belt, I was kind of starting all over again here in L.A. And that was kind of a hard pill to swallow. But at the same time, I had, like, I still had my go, go, go mentality, which I don't think will ever go away. That's kind of part of the hustle is, like, you have to hustle. Yeah, I definitely waited, but went back to waiting tables, which I didn't want to do, but I needed to pay rent. And I did do a lot of those workshops, the CD workshops, which were good. I mean, I felt like at least I was like doing something in order to like get in front of these people. And then like, I definitely had like the breakdowns that were sent to me. Then I would like send them to my man, my manager be like, I just took this workshop. Make sure you get me an audition. Yep. Um, you know, that whole, that whole fun game. Classic. They love that. They love, they love that. Them breakdowns. So, so much. Like, let me do your job for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I did some CD workshops and then I didn't do 
acting classes yet because I had just gotten out of my master's mm. and I was like I'm gonna not be in some acting classes right now but I did jump into groundlings and I had always wanted to do groundlings like ever since I heard about groundlings and I finally went to a show and I saw one of their shows and I was like yeah no I definitely have to be in classes here so I, I started taking groundlings classes and I loved it because it's so character-based and I don't consider myself a character actor, but I think I'm a total character. (laughs) That makes total sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sort of like a fine line. I don't know. But anyways, so I took classes there and I absolutely loved it. Like loved it so much, but it was also quite expensive. So I would like go and then stop and then like go back and stop. And and then I started doing stand up again. And that's really when things I think really started shifting for me because I did do stand up back in New York. And then I tried to do it when I moved here. And it just like wasn't it just wasn't in my groove here. And then I finally started doing it again. And then like, that's when things kind of started really flowing because it, it was like taking my control back. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm not going to wait for you to bring me in or you to book me or you to tell me when I get to perform. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And that that really shifted so much for me because then I was like constantly being me on stage in people and getting laughs and also not getting laughs. And like, it really like, it hardens you and humbles you. But yeah, I think that's that's when things started kind of shifting that's so bizarre because for me it's like the same it's like a very similar thing and I think a lot of stand-ups who are successful commercial actors I think a lot of them attribute it's kind of like going to the gym and lifting the heaviest weights possible and then once you go to audition it's like I don't I don't fucking care. I know I'm funny and I know I have a presence. It's like you build all those just terrifying muscles like in front of all these human beings in a room, you know, on a on a stage and then when you go into like it just makes everything else seem like cake almost. Yeah. It's not like a replaceable like I guess you could get it by doing a lot of auditions, I suppose, but it's just like going and kind of breaking yourself open again and again and then you just get so tough there's just this kind of like something so appealing about someone who's self-assured and they don't also need to like be the loudest person in the room because you just know that they're like you're really subtle i mean i think if you were like big it would maybe i mean i'm I'm sure you could go big but i feel like your subtleties and nuances are what make you stand out it's just the it's like that little difference between someone who's just (laughs) is trying to show and emote and do all these things yeah so stand-up has helped you a lot where are you at with that now is it more cyclical are you always performing how's your writing process you know the pandemic really took it out on me and like I had before been like I was doing multiple shows like a week, a month, I was producing my own show once a month, like I was, I was constantly out there doing it. And then, man, like a pandemic happened. I was like, not I'm not doing the zoom things. I did zero zoom shows, zero zoom anything. I was just like, I'm just gonna not do anything for like, (laughs) as long as this is going on. (laughs) Uh, I really milked that way too long. But it's been so since it's been really difficult to get back into it because it is such a grind and it is such it's really like it's it's hard and it's but it's rewarding but it's hard and I was just like 
I'm tired. I don't want to go to a 10 p.m. open mic with a bunch of 25-year-old dudes talking about their dicks. Like, I'm good. (laughs) But I will say in the last, this last year, I finally started getting back into a sort of regular-ish habit where I'm like not, I don't feel the need to go out every night and do comedy, but I do it. And like, I have a few shows a month and I go to mics when I can and it keeps me feeling like I'm in it without having to put the pressure on myself of being like in it. Yeah. That's so refreshing because <laughs> everything I'm going to say is like, I'm a mirror to you, but like I treat stand up as a very like creative, again, like building the muscle. It's having my own authority, being able to express all the things, but I don't let myself get caught up in the rat race because a, I'm, I teach early mornings. I still like teach like three times a week or four times just like at 7 a.m. And I just can't fuck with late hours and dick jokes all night. You know, so when I'm doing stand-up or going to mics, I use my discretion. Where do I want to, like, which mic is going to have a good vibe? And like, which I'm usually in a writing class for a few months of the year. And like, there's very positive vibes. It's like just so important to, I think, you can so easily get like weighed down in, in that world. And the kind of the crazy pressures you can start to feel, even though you're like, I'm not actually like doing this, doing this. I This is just like a, for me. Like, this is just, mm-hmm. this is just the outlet. This is just my going to play sports but it can definitely take a toll on you if you're really just man some people really grind it out and I I respect it so much was that so much I just just there's just other things there's books to be read at home so many books so many books okay you had this like shift you got to stand up this kind of pre-pandemic and then you're like whoa I'm like actually booking aside from like the things we're talking about with things you can't necessarily teach people which is like having a presence and like being confident and like you're fucking funny and all these things and just knowing your instrument was there anything else that was more tangible that you feel like some concrete technique as far as commercial auditions go that has really helped you for example you're just really good at like analyzing or you do a lot of research before you have a technique for when you go into group auditions and like you know what you're gonna do what are some concrete strategies that you found effective yeah you know it's funny I was I was thinking about this and I had a friend of mine ask me a week or so ago like what my process is when I'm self-taping and like she's like because you book all the time like what are you doing like what are you doing and I'm like she's like do you take do you like 20 takes and watch each of them I was like no <laughs> I'm like I think for me, I don't like to overthink it. If there's a script, I will have it memorized. That's like ingrained in me. That's my number one. Like even if they're like, you don't have to have it memorized. I'm like, "Mm, I'm memorizing it. Like that's just, then I have the freedom to play. So if I, if I have my lines under my belt, then I can just make that my own and then improvise around that. I feel like for me, like that's my biggest form of preparation. I don't really typically do much research because I don't like to overthink it. And I'm not saying don't do research because I think that's also super valid, but I just like to see what's on the page, read everything on the page, all the actions, all the words, literally everything, memorize all of it, and then just make it fully my own. Just like say it how I would say it, just like I'm talking to you. And I feel like that's the, sometimes the trap with commercials is like, it's commercially. So you have to put on this commercial spin where it's like, they don't want that like at all. The hardest part is getting my damn outfit together half the time. I mean, same. (laughs) I don't know why that is such a conundrum but it always is and then I like overthink it underthink it that's the thing I probably overthink the most is like my outfit and then I'm like "Mm -hmm, okay (laughs) me too 
It's just not. Yeah, I think with group auditions, it's giving everybody the space to have their time, like not being the only person talking. Like, you know, I think that's a lot. I think that's a difficult thing sometimes for actors is like to be like, I want to act. I'm talking now. I'm talking now. It's my turn. And like, they just like keep going. And it's like, there's four people in the room and everybody needs to have their moment. And then reacting to the people that are doing their moments too. So like you're constantly being present. But yeah, I kind of like use just my instincts. I use all of my instincts, all of like my whatever feels good in the moment and then not overthinking it. Do you also intuit creating buttons or like improvising? Obviously improvising is intuited, but with buttons, yeah. do you prepare a few or are you just kind of like go um, on the fly? I'll sometimes prepare a few depending on like if if it comes to me. If it comes to me in the mo like while I'm like thinking about it, yeah, I'll absolutely go to it. And like, it's like, yeah, it's like a prepared button. Why not? But you know, things change in the room. So you have to be malleable to like whatever the casting director is giving you. So if they're going in a different direction than what I had planned, then it's like, you got to listen to that and then figure out how to shift and change and like find something else. Mm -hmm. that works. Do you have any stories where like you've, booked a job and then you unbooked the job or any sort of like horror freak stories like that I have not god not I'm not sure I mean. <laughs> no nothing like nothing like freaky like that no thank god like I think the worst that ever happened was I was in a commercial I was in a couple of commercials and one ended up never airing I don't think and then another just my part got cut out but they weren't like huge jobs. So it wasn't like the end of the world. It's always so terrifying to just be like, oh God. How do you deal with your mindset around callbacks and avails? I'm so curious. Everyone's kind of different internal processing. <laughs> I have this mentality whenever I go into any audition or anything ever, I'm like, well, I already booked it. Like I, I just, I go in being like, well, I, I booked it. So. <laughs> in the past you use it like what I love that oh my god yeah so when I walk into the room half the time I forget there's a like for the callbacks I always I'm like now forgetting that there's gonna be a room full of people <laughs> like because I'm just so used to just like shooting the shit with the cast manager Laura Lobo you know like right. ops and whatever and then I get in there I'm like oh there's more people here that's fun <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's your mindset when you walk into the room, but like what happens when you actually get the avail? Do you ever get in your head or you're just like, cool, I booked it? No, the avail is when things get tricky. Okay. Um, that's oh. when things, because I know how it goes, it can go one way or the other. And I will admit, I get obsessive. I will check my emails every five minutes. I don't care if it's Saturday at 7 a.m., I'm going to check my email to see if I booked it. Like, I have a hard time letting that part go. It's mostly because I want to know. Like, I just want to know either way. It's like, and they don't always let you know either way, which is unfortunate. And then I feel like an asshole being like, hey, just uh, <clears throat> just checking in over here, seeing if we heard anything, even though I know we didn't. But I uh, just wanted to know if I should still be holding my breath in that. Yeah, I hate the when I have to send that email. I'm like, you know, Catherine, if you're sending the checking in email, chances are you didn't book it because probably the fitting is like today or tomorrow. Ah, whenever I send that email, I'm like, am I jinxing myself by sending this email? Because like I would have heard already and like I'm 
the same. I compulsively check or I'll like throw my phone across the room and be like, I'm going to go out and do something else for like many hours. And then I like, and I'm like, I'm going to forget about it in quotes. Yeah. And then I come back and then I run to my phone. And <laughs> I always book when I'm legitimately not thinking about it, which is like so annoying because I'm thinking about it a lot when I'm on a veil. Yeah. So I just need to be on a lot of avails to not think about it. But then I'm thinking about all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a thing. It's just yeah. like, how do we fucking break that little that little compulsion? I don't know. But like, I am really good at letting it go once I do know. Like, I have my moment of like, oh man, and then I'm like, okay. It's the in between knowing and not knowing part. Yeah, that's the that's the hardest part. Yeah. yeah, and truly, if everyone was required to let us know about the release, and I know there's so many things that go into that process. Yeah. Being on the back end. But if we could just know sooner, I don't know. I think it would, I just like to know as well, because yeah. we're all figuring out our lives, our schedules. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing that they don't necessarily always consider. I mean, we're dropping everything, but like, I need to know what I, what I'm dropping and like how much time I'm dropping. Am I canceling this date? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I want to cancel this date. Can I please book this job? <laughs> Sorry, I have to be on set at 5 a.m. Sorry, you gotta go. Mm. <laughs> it's always a good one. It's always Or like, oh, I can't go to this open mic or this show because I ah, gotta be on set at 6 a.m. So sorry. So sorry. Ooh, gotta get paid a lot of money. Um, all right, so I don't feel as crazy now that I know that you also are obsessed with checking. Once I get like zen enough to like not care about avails, and I think it's gonna require having a baby. I'm gonna be honest. Oh, I think, it's, I, think I have I have some theories. Yes. Do you have any, like, anything that you're really, like, I don't know, like, a dreamy job that you worked on that you just can't ever, it, like, set a standard that was just so high, and then you've never worked on such a great job since? And not, like, that every job's shitty, but, like, was there ever, like, an amazing job that, like, you just will never forget? Definitely, I did an Allstate commercial, and it was literally just me in this, and it aired all of the time. Like, I got recognized for it. (laughs) Oh, yes. I was like, oh my God, am I famous now? I'm getting recognized. <laughs> my commercial famous. We love that. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> like it aired constantly. Like that was the one that it was made me made me able to like quit my quit my job. Like I was like, okay, cool. I mean I have that all state money now. Get it. it. It was yeah, it was pretty cool. And like every like everybody I know was like I just saw you and it's like that's pretty fun I honestly have worked on so many great sets and have worked with so many great people and it's fun like that's the reward for all of the work to be on set and like I get cranky when actors are complaining when they're there I'm like what are you doing I know this is like the cherry you're ruining (laughs) it Literally, like, what all of the shit we go through is for is to get here on set. When I'm on set, I'm just like, I'm in my happy place. Yeah, same. It's like summer camp meets vacation, and then you get paid and, like, meet cool people. I will say I I did get to do a shoot in Hawaii, and I got flown out to Hawaii and was there for six days. And only shot for like two of them and had a wardrobe fitting on one. So I essentially had a paid vacation (laughs) in Hawaii. I was like snorkeling with turtles. I was surfing. I was like (laughs) drinking my body weight in pina coladas. (laughs) 
God, don't you love when that happens, when it turns into a vacation? And I love these down days that traveling jobs, I I feel like, and I'm hoping that this trend continues, but I feel like they're getting more and more common, especially like we know Mexico City and like Canada and Miami. But I just, I'm hoping like, how cool would it be if like 50% of jobs, I think it would be fucking great. Like we're travel. I would be so into it. I would be yeah. so into it. I love traveling and like you're getting paid to travel. You're getting yes. paid to work. I yes. was, we shot a commercial in Salt Lake City, which is a weird place, but but I got to see it. <laughs> you know, you got to go and you got I to got do to it. Yeah, yeah, it is cool because it, it extends that commercial experience. And I and I want people to like when you get a traveling job, just really enjoy it. Like you're getting paid to be on a plane. You're getting mm-hmm. per diem. Like. You earned it. And I feel like a lot of people are so quick to be like, well, it's just, it's like a silly, I don't know. Like I just, it's not like real or like, I don't, I don't even know what people do, but they kind of like undercut successes, whether they're non-union, union, whatever it is. If you book a job, like celebrate and soak it up. You're amazing. Full-time commercial actress, theatrical, you do all the things, stand-up comedian. What's like next on your your bucket list, your dream list, whether it's creative or just kind of outside of the entertainment business? Is there anything you're like dreaming about? Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot out there. I, you know, I, I do a lot of writing, especially like for stand-up and I go through phases of like being really diligent about writing and creating projects and then it kind of falls off the wayside. So I certainly want to get back. Uh, A friend of mine and I have like been writing this like little web series and I have a book that I've been (laughs) trying so hard to finish, (laughs) but I started years ago and I'm like, can we just get this thing done already? And then I have another like like little book in the works that I like want to start getting on. So I want to like actually finish these creative projects that I keep saying I'm going to yes. close the loop. Yeah. So that on the creative front is there. And then of course, continue doing stand up. but like in the acting world, I certainly would love to start booking some more theatrical, like um, TV show film stuff. That's, that's high on the list. I love being a commercial actor. It's incredible. I'm so grateful. I never saw this as part of my trajectory at all. Like I did not expect this. And I am, it's, it's wild to me. It's absolutely wild to me. I don't think anyone expects it. I think it's one of those jobs that like, there are some people that just kind of like, end up working a lot due to many different variables. And then they're like, I didn't set out to do this full time, but it's fucking really cool. And, and you can't force it, but I do think, and I know that you have this inside of you as well, but like, I think you need to be stoked about it to be successful in it. If you hate the process, like from like, just even auditioning, like you can tell when someone's having a terrible time or just pretending. I think the people who it brings joy to, who just want to keep showing up will succeed you know and it's like kind of a weird it is a weird wacky world that a lot of people are like oh i'll just do this on the side but then it becomes some people's full time and it i think it takes people by surprise who kind of ended up in it yeah and i think for me it's just like another opportunity to get to act and i love acting that's why i'm doing this it's so fun to just kind of play i and i remember actually once somebody several years ago I I don't know. He's like in the industry, but he was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really see you as being much of a commercial actor. And I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. (laughs) Like, 
well, I proved him wrong. <laughs> yeah, you certainly did. That's so crazy. I feel like when I think yeah. of commercial actors, I'm like, okay, Aaron, Alexis. Like, I just like there's faces that pop up in my head yeah. that I like, yeah, that's, people will tell you all kinds of shit here. You guys don't listen to them. Yeah. What genre is this book that you're trying to finish? It's kind of about my dating life. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I have so many more questions. Continue. <laughs> Off the off camera questions, guys. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> is it like a memoir or like a silly yeah. like is it? Yeah. It's <gasps> called Casual Sex and Cigarettes. <laughs> oh my god, now I really want to read it. Oh. <laughs> Send me the manuscript. Okay. I got a proposal. If there's any <laughs> publishers out there. Fucking <laughs> self-publish it. Let's do it. Let's blow it up. No, I mean, I make all that commercial money. I might as well. You can. You can do anything these days. And honestly, people can make a killing self-publishing. I feel like if it's good enough, I feel like your shit's going to be great. I'm excited. And I think it's like so important to be kind to yourself with like these, if you're listening and you're like, oh, I have a lot of like, I feel like I historically would start things and not finish and like have all these open-ended creative projects. And I would beat myself up because I'm like, God, I, I'm a Gemini. I just can't fucking finish anything. And it was like so irritating. What are, What's your sign? I'm a Taurus, so I'm lazy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like we can just blame it on astrology or we can just sure. be like, prove ourselves wrong. And like, even if it's shit, at least you finished it. That's yeah. the thing you have to remind yourself, right? It's like, okay, Cool. Yeah. At least I fucking closed this loop that's been killing me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Like one little page a day. I don't know. These are just things I think out loud. Is there anything that you would offer to the greener people who are starting out? And for those who are like, what's green? It just means you're newer or you haven't even like started and you're like, ah, how do I do this? Is there any like advice you would throw out to people who are just getting their toes wet in commercials specifically? Especially for the starting out is like researching is always a good idea. And like IMDB is your go-to. It's like your yellow book for the... <laughs> yellow pages for those of you who are oh, boy. who are uh, millennials and above yeah. okay. uh, <laughs> this is how I found my manager is I would go on tv and I would watch tv shows and then I would see who was booking like the smaller roles and then I would go see who they were represented by and like you can find those people on like um like iSpot so you can find the actors that are in commercials and find the representations or just start researching commercial agents, look at their roster, see if you would fit in or if there's somebody like you, in which case, mm, I don't know. That's always a tricky one there. And then I would say like, yeah, I think any form of acting when and where you can is great. Like I think classes are always a good thing to do. UCB, groundlings, any kind of time that you're, able to just be in front of people and get more comfortable doing that doing that and then like honestly sticking with it mm. that's my biggest advice if you love it and you really want to do it then just keep doing it which is the hard part Whew, long game just yep. stay in it if you can stay in it like I love the visual that like every day you're waiting in this line in Hollywood we're all in line and every single day someone steps outside of the line in front of you and you move up every day someone that. yeah every day someone fucking goes home and they yeah. quit and they're yeah. done they have yeah. a baby they leave they just move back to wherever it's fine this is great yeah. the line's getting shorter I don't have to do anything I can just I mean I'm doing a lot but now it's getting shorter 
yeah it's just sticking with it sticking with it sticking with it oh my god um y'all this has been so much fun Erin you're so wonderful and generous and smart and not lazy and all the things we love you so much everyone thanks for tuning in to Slate It Till You Make It be sure to like subscribe rate us send this episode to someone that you love and want to help out we're still growing so please spread the word and Erin and I are going to keep slating it till we make it bye